You're listening to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue with Adam Bartels. Welcome to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue. It's my privilege on this episode to highlight the 2022 recipient of the Tyler Trent Courage and Resilience Award, and that is Eric Magianis. Eric, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. And this is an awesome opportunity to be here with you and sharing a little bit of my story and what it means to um, receive this award. That's awesome. Man. I'm so looking forward to this conversation. I appreciate you taking the time uh, to come on the podcast and to get to, sh- to share your story. It's been remarkable just reading up about you, uh, preparing for this episode and hearing about your story. And of course, anytime we can honor Tyler Trent on this podcast, I'm happy to do that as well. And just hearing, reading about your story and just comparing it to his and just a lot of the similarities. It's exciting and uh, so well-deserving uh, of this award. So excited to jump into that here in a few minutes. Before we do that, let's just let our uh, listeners get to know you a little bit more, uh, your background, where are you originally from? And then how'd you uh, end up at Purdue? All right. So like you mentioned, my name is Eric Magallanes and uh, I've grown up my entire life here in Lafayette, Indiana. So it's always been close to Purdue University, and um, my older brother went to Purdue. Um, living up, living by Purdue University, this and you know my entire life, it it just seemed right to go to that university. So um, that's how I ended up going to Purdue, and I love it. And I there's not a moment I regret it. That's awesome, hey. Yeah, that's great, man. Being up there, being a boiler your whole life, hey, and nothing wrong with that choice. Hey, talking about uh, as you were heading to Purdue, uh, what you wanted to focus on, and what was uh, what's your major? So headed uh, into Purdue, uh, before all of that happened, I was actually going to Ivy Tech where I received an associate's degree in dental assisting. And I really liked the profession. And I was like, you know what? I, I want to go into a four-year university. I didn't, I didn't want to go anywhere too far. Um, Purdue being right there around the corner, I was like, you know what? They got a good health science program there. I'll go there. I enrolled right after graduating from Ivy Tech. I kind of applied late, but, you know, things happened, and I was able to get into Purdue with no problems, and um, now I'm majoring in biomedical health science at Purdue. That's incredible. Well, you have just an amazing story of of courage, resilience, perseverance, much like uh, Tyler Trent did. Just kind of share with us your journey, those who are not aware of you or your story yet, and hopefully they're just going to get to hear in great detail here on this episode. Just tell, share your journey with us, where you were at when you uh, you found out you were diagnosed with cancer, and just kind of share your story at Purdue and and how this all uh, has played out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's see. So I was headed into my third semester at Purdue. So this is um, spring of 2020. Spring of 2020, um, you know, I was getting a sore on my tongue, and I kept having um, – a health professional looked at it. They kept kind of just pushing it off, um, saying it was some type of canker sore, just some type of mucus irritation. But, you know, I, I didn't really think too much of it. I did, you know, having that dental assisting background um, really made me look more into it. So that's when I reached out and for, uh, I reached out into my, uh, my dentist, uh, Dr. Trevor Murray. And uh, that's when we, the thing started rolling and, you know, that's when it became all serious. And after having two visits with him, he finally performed a biopsy, sent it out to the pathology lab, and unfortunately came back uh, positive for cancer. And what kind of cancer was that? I was diagnosed with squamous cell carcinoma wow. of the tongue and neck. Wow. And did you think, like, I'm, like you mentioned, 
is with the dentistry background, what you're studying, is that what kind of helped, you know, like you kind of just mentioned, this is more than just a canker sore. You, you knew enough from what you've studied so far that you felt it was something more. Yeah. So um, having that dental assisting background and that um, being in the field for a little bit, it definitely make, uh, gave me an advantage to knowing what types of signs and symptoms to look out for. Um, I think um, I'm a big believer in everything happens for a reason. So me going through that route as a dental assisting um, just made it um, prove the point that having that background made me be more aware of these signs and symptoms that I was able to, you know, in a way we caught it early, but it was already um, pretty advanced and aggressive by the time. I did get treatment. Wow. So talk about, yeah, you get this diagnosis, you're facing, you know, what hopes to be your third semester at Purdue and, and just kind of walk us through that, you know, finding out at the office, telling your family and, and your advisor, kind of walk us through that process. Uh, yeah. So um, hours before finding out I was being diagnosed with cancer, I was sitting in chemistry class, chemistry lecture, and um, I received a message from one of the dental assistants at Allure Dental. And um, they just said, hey, Eric, can you stop by the office today around um, lunchtime? And usually around lunchtime is um, when they usually close down the office to, to have a little lunch. And I was like, I received the message on my phone, looked at it, and I was like, my first initial thought was, okay, it's cancer. Mm. Even before any of this, I, I already had that. That kind of that mentality preparing myself that it was going to be some type of cancer and i looked at the message i was like well i mean i'm always going in and out of the office so i was like usually i would know what's going on but um or why would they why they would want me to come in and i was like uh it's because they're going to tell me some bad news well i finished my lecture headed out to my car and drove to the office and that's when um i got brought into one of the uh, auditories and uh, right there there were a lot of dental assistants and um, Dr. Murray was there and he's like he, he entered he was like how's your day been Eric I'm like it's going good you know started the new semester just getting the hang of things and uh, he's like well that's good but unfortunately I got bad news for you and that's when he let it out that um, but biopsy came back uh, positive for cancer we didn't know too much about it then how um how far it was spread throughout the body or how advanced it was. And um, when he told me that, I, my initial reaction to Eric, he came back positive for cancer, I just smiled and said, okay, you know, I'll, it'll just be a battle, you know, it'll, I'll definitely beat it and we'll just continue forward. You know, I had that positive attitude and positive mentality. So I just smiled and looked at him and I think the hardest part was, you know, telling my mom, I, she wasn't there with me at the office. After leaving the office, I had to go home and told my mom. And I, I didn't know any other way to tell her. I was just like kind of and joking and smile and smiling. I was like, hey, mom, like I'm back from the office. And this is what I, this is the news I got today. I was like, hey, mom, I, I got cancer. Mm. And her reaction was like, Eric, are you joking? Like, this is not, that's not something to be uh, joking about. I'm like, no, mom, I really have cancer. And, you know, with a smile on my face, and uh, she just teared up right away, you know. I couldn't imagine her, anybody being a mother, having to hear that their child um, has cancer. So, 
But other than that, you know, that's when it started to settle in. Everything was becoming real and how serious it was. But, you know, from the time that I was told until even telling my mom, you know, I didn't shed a tear. I personally didn't shed a tear until I finally got told by doctors and family members that I was going to have to take a medical withdrawal from school. That's when I went into um, the office at Purdue University and gave my notice that I was taking a medical withdrawal from the university. And that's when I finally just stepped out of the office, sat down on a bench, and it just hit me like a train. Like That's when I started tearing up a little bit because I knew how serious this was. Wow. Yeah, talk about processing that. You, you're probably pretty excited about, you know, you're in your third semester at Purdue, and and then this hits you, like you said, and that's kind of when it really hit uh, how serious this was and having to step away from school. Talk about that process then, and then starting chemo, and then how long that process took to where you are now. Yeah, so after being diagnosed and everything, uh, the process the ball started real fast, so serious that you want to um, tackle on as quickly as quickly as possible. So I'd say within ten days, I was admitted into surgery. I was having part of my tongue removed, um, just uh, about a quarter portion of my tongue being removed. Um, they really didn't know how much was going to be removed until they performed some type of studies um, throughout the procedure. I remember the doctor telling me, "Yeah, we'll go in." and try and remove the tumor from your tongue, but we'll have to do a little bit more studying, right? Like, while you're still on the table, we're gonna have to, you know, send it out to pathology and see if we got all the margins mm -hmm. cut out of the tumor and everything. And, um, you know, that was quickly, you know, I had surgery, I recovered for about two, three weeks, and I had some post-surgical complications where I was just bleeding out from my surgical sites inside my mouth. I got rushed back into the ER in um, at St. Vincent in Indianapolis. And that's when I had another set of surgeries going on to fix these post complications. I also had a chemo port installed and a feeding tube installed at the same time. And the funny story about that was they weren't planning to install the chemo port or the feeding tube. But that night, you know, I, when I was sent to uh, St. Vincent, they chemically cauterized my tongue and a couple of the surgical sites to stop the bleeding. And they said, hopefully this works. Um, that night, you know, I was going to stay there overnight. Well, the cauterizing of the surgical sites didn't really work. I woke up and I was bleeding. You know, I was, I was, my whole uh, hospital gown was filled with blood. You know, it was, it was pretty severe. I don't know exactly how much blood I, I had lost. I remember the nurse coming in and she's like, we need to get you into surgery like right now. Cause I remember she like almost dropped everything she had in her hands when she came to check on me. And she was surprised by the amount of blood that was just all over me. And, you know, with all this going on with the amount of blood and the reaction of the nurse, I knew I was gonna have to get a chemo poured in and a feeding tube placed. And I couldn't really talk, you know, I, I had all this blood coming out of my mouth. It was, it was a whole mess. And I remember somehow I was able to communicate with the nurse. I said, hey, while I'm, while I'm on the operating table, can we just go ahead and put that chemo port in and that feeding tube? Because I know I'm going to need it at a later time. Let's just do it all at once. And she's like, yeah, well, yeah, that's good thinking of you. And <laughs> I woke up and 
Um, I had everything, you know, I didn't get the, I got the uh, feeding tube placed. Um, it was a little bit different than how most people would get their feeding tubes placed. You would just get a puncture in your stomach. But with all this trauma I had in the head and neck region, they actually had a surgically um, open it up about three to four inches on, um, right in the middle of my abdomen to be able to get that feeding tube placed. So that was, that was pretty painful when I woke up, you know, so that was new to me. I had a chemo port, which just sits on top of like your chest. So that was different. And then, you know, I was all pretty sore on my neck and mouth. Wow. How long was that hospital stay then? Uh, that hospital stay was probably about two, almost three weeks. I was there, um, trying to recover. Gotcha. So I, I think in total, I was probably at the hospital recovering four to six weeks um, my first surgery and then coming home. Cause I think my first surgery was easiest. I was only there for probably about two weeks or so. And then my second surgery for the post complications, I was there for a lot longer. Wow. And so I would say in between those two surgeries, I was there for probably about four to six weeks. You know, everything's kind of a blur. So um, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> wow. So then after you leave St. V's and head back to Lafayette, what happens next? You know, I was told just to recover. So um, this is already, I had my surgery on February 11th. I had post complication probably two weeks after that. So we're already looking at late February. Uh, by the time I actually got home, I was, we're probably already looking at early March, mid-March. I had that whole couple weeks of March to recover because starting April, was when I was about to start um, the hard part of my journey, mm -hmm. which was uh, chemotherapy and radiation. Wow. And of course, on top of it, this is when the pandemic hits too. So I don't know if that was good timing for you or not, you know, with, you know, being home or I don't know if that made that present any other additional challenges for you. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, you know, with this is all, you know, me going through this whole situation and then COVID, you know, affecting everyone around us. Um, it had its advantages and disadvantages. Like some disadvantages was as soon as I was, you know, at the hospital, um, family restrictions or friends and family restrictions were, were already put into place where only family could, could, could come see me. And then um, the longer my stay was there, you know, only one or two family members could stay there with me. So, because we really didn't know much about COVID-19. And um, so those were a couple of disadvantages, even throughout the treatment, not being able to have friends and family come over to come see me because I had a compromised immune system. And um, I just, you know, those were some of the disadvantages because you, you weren't able to have that support mm -hmm. with you when you needed it most. Yeah. But some advantages was, I didn't feel like I was at home by myself all the time. Like the rest of the world was pretty much on lockdown. You know, they were staying at home, going to school through online. So it wasn't much different than what I was experiencing. You know, I didn't hear anybody going out, traveling, or even seeing on social media much, many of my friends or anything, um, having a blast during COVID-19. So that was an advantage. You know, I felt like we were all stuck at home. They kind of, endured with you a little bit. I, I you were able to, through either social media or zoom or any FaceTime be able to stay in touch better with friends or family through that time as well then. Uh, yeah, I was, um, able to FaceTime and, uh, even talk over the phone with quite a bit of friends and family. I think FaceTime was the 
biggest key factor of like communication. Um, I always got to see them. Well, whenever I was awake, you know, I was um, sleeping the uh, majority of the time. You know, I was in, I was honestly in a lot of pain, uh, nauseous from the chemotherapy. It was just, um, it was a very uh, difficult time. So, um, yeah, I was only able to talk to friends and family whenever I was feeling like it or even when I was up and awake. Yeah. So, Were you, was your talking restricted or at this point, are you, are you able to talk regularly or were the doctors like, Hey, take it easy. <laughs> uh, so after surgery, my, my speech and eating were, you know, I could still eat after surgery, uh, very soft foods and everything. My talking, it just, everything was just swollen. So yeah, I could communicate, but you know, it wasn't, you could tell something was going on, but it, I wasn't able to speak or actually talk once chemotherapy and radiation, probably within the first two weeks that I started treatment. So I started chemotherapy and radiation at the same time. I was administered chemotherapy every three weeks, every, um, I believe Friday, um, for every three weeks. And then radiation was done. I had about 33 sessions of radiation, which is quite a few. And, that just burnt every soft tissue inside the mouth, even outside that I was getting second degree burns, probably almost third degree burns. So, you know, I had complete loss of speech and complete loss of being able to eat any type of food or even drink simply water wow. through my mouth. I can't, I can't imagine. Wow. Well, you're, you're certainly a trooper for, for going through that and coming out well on the other side. Talk about how long that process was. You said the chemo's every three weeks and then the 30 plus treatments of radiation. Uh, how long did that take? And then where is your health now? Uh, that probably, you know, so I started that at the very beginning of April and I finished chemotherapy and radiation on May 6th, 2020. So it was probably about, it was a probably six or seven weeks of treatment, which sounds like a very short time, but when you're getting both at the same time, it is the longest duration of your time. Like every day, just, you know, dread it on. Um, but other than that, you know, I'm, I'm glad I don't, I, I'm even surprised that I was able to go through that, you know, it surprises me on how much I was able to fight and battle this cancer to come out on the other side. Wow. That's amazing. And remission now, correct? Yep. Um, this past August, I think, um, or yeah, this August that we're in now, a couple of weeks ago, I just reached a huge milestone from what I hear my doctors have told me. I just hit the two-year milestone marker of being in remission. That is awesome, man. Congratulations on that. That's so exciting. I'm so happy for you. Talk about then after you know, you're kind of clearing this uh, two years ago at this point. Uh, are you just amped up and eager to get back and roll that Purdue? And then did that happen that fall or did you have to wait a little bit longer? I actually had to wait a little bit longer. So when I entered remission, it was August of 2020. And um, a lot of doctors and had suggested me not starting any type of schooling until at least wait a whole year so I could fully recover. So I they were expecting me to go back August of 2021. I didn't really like that idea. So I tried going back to school that same August. I was admitted into being in remission. 
and I started Ivy Tech part-time and that didn't work out. I enrolled in two classes. I uh, dropped out of the first class. I was like, it was, um, it was either pre-calculus or calculus that I was in. I was like, okay, that's a little bit too much. Let's stick to like the health science field. I was like, let's, let's try anatomy. I was enrolled in both of those classes, dropped calculus at first. It was probably two weeks into anatomy where I told myself, I need to drop this class so I can still get my money back. <laughs> and I think um, I should probably take the doctor's advice and recover than just trying to jump right back into it. But I didn't fully take the doctor's advice completely. I didn't wait a whole year. <laughs> Come in January, I enrolled full time at Purdue. It was a, uh, it was difficult. Um, going through chemo, you get what's called chemo brain, mm-hmm. where your mind is just foggy. It's just not all there. Well, I definitely pushed my limits that semester to to finish the semester and just get another semester down. Wow. And you didn't waste any other time as well. You started a nonprofit with your friend uh, during this time as well called My Fellow Man. Tell me about that. Yeah. So um, during my treatment, whenever I was actually up and, you know, feeling good on my good days, I was, I'm a very productive person. I don't like sitting around not doing anything. So going through treatment was just like terrible. You know, all I would do was lay in bed, sit around the house, something I'm not, I wasn't used to. And I got in touch with one of my good friends, uh, Chandler Clifton. And I was like, you know what? Let's uh, let's make it some type of change within our community. And uh, we just got together, brainstormed, and we created My Fellow Man, which is a non-incorporated nonprofit. So we're not working with anybody else. We just raise our own funds and distribute to the local community, either through churches, homeless shelters, wherever we can. Um, our plan was to actually go out to homeless individuals or even lower social economic classes um, where we could pass these out. But with COVID, you know, there's a lot of restrictions. But other than that, we were able to create these hygiene kits, hygiene kits that created um, natural bars of soaps handmade by us that were made out of goat milk and essential oils for them to smell good and actually be um, useful. Yeah. And that was more of his, um, um, take on a non-fellow non-profit and my take of me being he was a medical field and i'm more of a dental field you know i was able to raise funds and get toothbrushes toothpaste and we created these hygiene kits and we've created a couple hundred and we were able to distribute them out already um, some were just distributed not too long ago so we're hoping to um, keep doing more of that Wow. That's really awesome, man. Keep up the good work there. That's, that's really cool that you did that. And again, like you said, you didn't, you didn't waste your time that you had either. You just, you just kept going. And a, a lot of things like, you know, this award with Tyler Trent, like he, he, he didn't let cancer stop him. He just kept fighting and kept doing everything. He kept smiling and he just kept, kept busy, kept doing things. And that's, that's awesome. man. I, I love hearing that and that you use that time well as well. And let's, let's talk about that award, the, the Tyler Trent courage and resilience award. Uh, tell me where you were and, and how you found out you were receiving it. Okay, so I initially found out with uh, my instructor, Mary Beth Miller. She's a chemistry coordinator that she was going to nominate me for this award. And I said, I didn't know too much about it until I started reading more about it. I was like, oh, that's awesome. And she was able to write um, a wonderful letter that I got to publish straight and made well written. But I think it was, 
I think this past summer, I received an email that I was the, the recipient of the Tyler Trent Award for the 2022. And I was in shock, you know, I was like, wow, that, that's incredible. I didn't, you know, um, I always, I always tell myself and I tell others, um, my, my journey was difficult and it was challenging, but there's a lot of other individuals that could have it a lot worse or have had it a lot worse than I have. So when I saw that I was, you know, the recipient of this award, I, I was in shock. I, I didn't really know how to, how to all take it in because it was, it was amazing. You know, it's a, yeah. My initial reaction was just, I was in shock about it. Yeah. Well, after that shock wears off, just talk about, you know, as it's kind of hitting you, what this is and what this means for you and just for, for the university to continue on Tyler's legacy. Now that you, you know, you had some time to take that in, what does it mean to you? It means, um, a great, um, it means a lot to me. Um, it's a, an awesome opportunity and, um, being able to continue Tyler Trent's legacy. Um, I know he has a lot of um, cancer research involved throughout his legacy. That is something that I'm willing to push forward because I think we need as much research as possible to continue on this cancer research. Maybe one day we can have some type of cure for it because there's a, there's a misconception out there when you enter remission of individuals might think, oh, he's cancer free but that's really never going to be a case. There's no such thing as being cancer free. Um, you know, we're just hoping that for the best for the cancer never come back, mm. but you know, it's a, it's a great news to hear your remission, but, um, but overall, you know, it's a great opportunity uh, to continue Tyler Trent's legacy of the cancer research and just having that optimistic, positive outlook on life. You know, he was very positive, um, very inspirational that I'm hoping to, you know, share my stories, with, share my story with others, and inspire others as well that if they're having a hard time, you know, there's always stay positive and, you know, there's, there's light at the end of the tunnel. That's awesome, Eric. That's great. And you that certainly, when I'm learning and just getting to know you, I'm, uh, I, I'm confident that you are carrying on that, that legacy that Tyler had and uh, you're doing a great job and just keep up, keep, keep doing what you're doing and keep that positive attitude. And that's awesome. Just so well-deserving of this award. And, uh, you know, t let's talk about where you are now at school, now that you're back at Purdue full-time. Yep, I'm back at Purdue full-time. Um, I'm a senior, so I'm expected to graduate this coming May of 2023. I'm still pursuing the same major, biomedical sciences, still pursuing a dental, um, hoping to be a dentist at the end of my journey. Uh, after graduation, I'm hoping either to get into some type of dental school or even a master's program. Uh, just to, uh, better myself and to, you know, like I said, my end goal is to become uh, a dentist. So I want to definitely be out there in the dental profession, even though I'm already in it as being a dental assistant. And I just want to be on the other side of yeah. the dental assistant chair, which would be the doctor's chair. So. That's awesome. That's really cool. I'm, I know you're going to be able to do that. You've already accomplished so much and, and overcame so much as well. So I'm confident that you'll have no problem succeeding in that field as well, Eric. Hey, as we're kind of wrapping up uh, here, just anything else that you want my uh, listeners to know or that people at Purdue should know about you? If anything, you know, I'd say don't let negativity um, ruin any aspect of your life, you know, just because I, I believe if you bring negativity into your life, bad things are, 
going to happen or, you know, it's just not, never a good outcome. So always keep smiling, keep that positive outlook and everything will just fall into place that you'll be grateful at the end that, you know, whatever the case was, you're, you stayed positive and now you're on the other end. So I'd say that'd be my uh, inspiring words to any individual, even if they're not going through anything, you know, I mean, just going to school, having a stressful day can bring a lot of negativity to to anyone so you know just stay positive everything's gonna work out just fine that's for sure we need more of that in this world eric that's well said and, and we need more people like you uh inspiring people uh in this world as well we're thankful to have you as a boilermaker oh thank you you know this has been an amazing opportunity i'm grateful for for everything you know this has been an absolute blessing awesome well, Eric, thank you again so much for uh, joining the Full Steam Ahead podcast. It's been a, a privilege and a pleasure to get to, to know you over this last half hour or so and just to get to, to share your story with the listeners. I hope they are very inspired by you and just continue to to stay positive and be encouraged to fight through hard times. And uh, so happy for you. Be praying for you, man. And just uh, continued health and uh, finishing out this, uh, this uh, I guess, this whole year ahead of you here at Purdue. Yeah, well, thank you. It's been an amazing privilege to be on this podcast with you and share my story, and hopefully it reaches out many individuals out there. Awesome. Eric, if I'm ever on campus, I'd love to to, to meet up, meet you in person. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome, man. Hey, t- thank you so much again. Uh, take care and boiler up. All right. Boiler up. Thank you. A reminder, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Full Steam Pod, and you can find the full video interviews on the Fox 59 and CBS4 website. You can also listen to, subscribe, like, and or comment on the podcasts on all the major podcast platforms, including now on Amazon Podcasts as well. Thanks again for listening to the Full Steam Ahead podcast. Until next time, I'm Adam Bartels.